stay there. You know what? I believe that every single person on this planet can make a difference. And I believe that we all have something to offer, something that's so unique that it will change somebody else's life. I believe we all deserve to step into our true selves. And I believe that every single person needs to feel great about themselves. I want you to step into who you truly are and I want you to make a difference for somebody else and for yourself. And I don't think it's that hard. It's a matter of putting one step in front of the other and just taking action. And I'm interviewing guests that have done just that. I'm Karen Vaughan. This is the Get Off The Bench podcast. And here is where you can make that decision to make your life count. It all starts with you saying yes. Howdy, and welcome back to another week of the Get Off The Bench podcast. Now, this week we are talking grants. You know, grants are a funny thing. Some people uh, really love them. Some people really hate them. Some people are really scared of them. You know, there's all these myths about how do I get a grant? And some people actually think that grants are out of reach for them. Today I'm speaking with Jesse Ballantyne, who is the founder of the Grants Hub, and we're going to blow some of those myths out of the water. But also talk about, you know, starting a business and um, and with a lot of adversity too, by the way. And Jess um, started her entrepreneurial journey at 14 and she was, uh, you know, coming home selling biscuits and selling chocolate-coated snakes from her locker at school and babysitting and all that kind of stuff. And so I guess for her it started young and, you know, she's really passionate about, well, is there a gap in the market and what needs to be done to fill that gap? So uh, she saw a need there with grants, but she's also the founder of Hey Good Thing, and that is a for-purpose gift boxes coming from, you know, great environmentally friendly companies and uh, and the like. So, and she's also got a podcast called Grants Uncovered. So that gives heaps and heaps of tips about grants. But I reckon you're going to absolutely love today. And if you are thinking about grants or if you have overlooked grants, um, I think today is going to be well worth the listen. So let's get on with it. And welcome, Jess. Thank you. Great to be here, Karen. I know. We've been trying to do this for so long. but um, We have. Oh. We have. A bit of avoiding on my part, to be honest. Uh, but, you know, we're here. I'm normally on the other side of the podcasting, doing the interviewing, not being the guest. I was like, <laughs> okay, now I know why people get a bit edgy beforehand. I hope you're not avoiding because you don't want to talk to me. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. It's just like that you go through these phases, I think, where you question yourself, imposter syndrome, anyone who started a business would know what that's like. But, yeah, I think we go through peaks and troughs with it and different life situations can make that flare at different times, I think. But it's good to be out here doing this, to be honest. Yeah, I'm glad you're here, but I'm glad you mentioned that too because people feel imposter syndrome and they think they see other people doing successful things or what they perceive to be successful things and they think, oh, they don't have imposter syndrome. They're just, they've just got their shit together. Off they go, they're doing it. <laughs> But that couldn't be further from the truth. And, and it doesn't matter how great your business is, you're going to experience moments of, moments of, or a lot of moments of, imposter mm-hmm. syndrome. So I'm so glad you mentioned it. You know, it's, um, and we shouldn't let it stop us. Yeah. And I think because we see, like everyone knows this, but we're showing a filtered version of our businesses on the external. Yeah. Like, you know, you can see our pictures here and our morning here at home this morning was not smooth by any means. Like it was, it was a bad morning in the house. And it's like, okay, but like my husband said to me, this is bad morning for your podcast. I'm like, you know what? This is, is what it is. 
this is what business is. This is what life is. You do it in all of this stuff that goes on. But yeah, I think, you know, imposter syndrome, it's an interesting one. I don't think I used to feel it when I was younger. I felt it more as I've got older, which is a funny thing. No, I think that happens. I think that happens. I'm just thinking about my um, banner here and it's a bit dark here. We've got, it's very, very cold today and very grey. But I, I, that's exactly why I put this banner up. It's not to promote me. It's so that you hide the shit behind there. <laughs> Like, we need to get some banners to hide all this, like pretend life behind me doesn't happen, but, you know. <laughs> oh, yours is, yours is clean, yeah. <laughs> anyway. Now I'll tell you what, hey? <laughs> My husband cleaned his desk up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, blame someone else. I love it. Um, now, just in the intro, mm. I mean, look, I've got a lot of admiration for you. You might have imposter syndrome, but I've got a lot of admiration <laughs> for what you do because, you know, it's it's a... It is a success story and it's and it's not hasn't been like, oh, Jessie's born with a silver spoon in her mouth and uh, with all the answers and there she goes, there she's got her grandson. Like, is, is born from a lot of bloody hardship, a lot of hardship. So a huge, I've got huge admiration for your, well, resilience and persistence in particular, you know, to, to push through that. So I, I love it. But, you know, it, it's... You've got the Grants Hub and, you, and you've also, so you founded the Grants Hub, but you also founded Hey Good Thing. Yes. Now, both of those things, they're entrepreneurial, you know, it's like, oh, how can I be an entrepreneur? And, but they're also there's a big um, a theme of helping people, you know, really serving people, helping people get the best out of mm. it. So I want to come back to the helping people in a minute. But first of all, where did you get this entrepreneurial streak from? I mean, I don't know if I was born with it or like I, I first realised that that, look, I didn't even use the word entrepreneur. I hadn't even thought of the word entrepreneur until women in Gippsland actually interviewed me for a Facebook um, post they were doing and um, it was actually Kelly Kuchu yep. um, who yep. said to me, you're an entrepreneur. So that was the first person who ever, and I, I was like, oh, but then since then I'm like actually maybe I am like I do see a problem and solve it through business primarily so mm. I guess that is the definition of entrepreneurship really um and it was Kelly that said it's born from need so back in high school I fell in love with French like learning the French language like most people hate languages I love it <laughs> um and I had this amazing French teacher in year nine and she had been an interpreter at the um, Winter Olympics in Japanese and French. And I just thought it was incredible, like just taking me out of my small Gippsland world and going, hey, there's a whole world out there of things that you can do. And so she said to me, you should be an exchange student, like do it. So I got my heart set on that. But, you know, we never um, wanted as children, but my parents, they gave a lot, like volunteered for years on end. And we didn't have all this extra money just sitting around to go, oh, yeah, sure, go on an $8,000 exchange for 12 months. I'm sure now it's a lot more expensive, but they said, if you want to do it, like we'll go halves. So you earn half and I'll earn half. So this was back in Makes me sound old, but this is in the 1990s, uh, mid, <laughs> mid 1990s. So I earned $4,000. So I would come home from school every day in year nine and I would bake biscuits and package them and sell them. And I would make um, chocolate coated snakes and sell them in the school locker. I think that's mentioned in the intro. And then the canteen shut me. And another friend who's also a very successful entrepreneur now, we were both selling these like chocolate coated snakes from our lockers before the school canteen shut us down. And um, I just saw, I just saw like this goal and something I wanted to achieve and I'm like I need to get the money to get there how will I get it and I was too young to work in proper jobs mm. um so business was just a, a means to an end 
really. And I could see that business and earning money that way could solve the problem that I had. Wow. I don't know too many people at 14 are doing all that sort of stuff. Thousands of bacon, thousands of cookies. I do like the chocolate snakes idea. Yeah, that was good. Yeah, they could make a comeback, I think. But, yeah, yeah. there'd be more food safety handling procedures now that you probably have to follow than back then. But, yeah. Uh, yeah, it was good. But it gave me such purpose and drive and, like, I was thriving on it. And then so halfway through years 11, I wanted to go the year before and I thought my parents were crazy for not letting me go when I was 14 for 12 months wow. to the other wow. side of the world. Um, but they made me wait a year, which was a good decision. So I went halfway through year 11. I was 15, spent 12 months in Belgium with a host family, turned 16 over there and then, yeah, came back. So kind of lost a year of schooling but gained so much from that. So just added on an extra year to high school. Oh, I reckon you learn so much from travelling, way, way more than school. And anyway, speaking of travelling while you're doing school, you didn't yeah. even you didn't even go back to school. Like, I mean, you did the year 12, but you, around the around, yeah. the, around Australia, travelling yeah. around Australia. Yes, yes. Now my parents would tell very different versions of this story. <laughs> so I got back and I went into school for six months. And because I'd missed that year, all my friends graduated from year 12. So I was in the year level below. So that was actually quite hard going back into that context. But then the school that I was at um, couldn't offer three of the five subjects that I wanted to do. And I was going to have to do distance education. Um, Mum and dad would have paid for that on top of normal school fees. And I would have been spending a lot of time in the school library. So I can understand their decision to just go, why would we do that? When if you're doing distance education, we might as well do something different. I don't know what exactly tri- triggered the trip around Australia. Um but it was in a camper van too, so we did it. So so they left in the January. I was very dark on them. For the first four weeks, I really wasn't happy with them and they ended up saying, you, you're with us, we're going for a year, you can choose to change your attitude or stay like this all year. So I'm like, okay. <laughs> did it. You know, I just had to do it. And, um, yeah, distance ed for year 12 while well, travelling around Australia in a wind-up old 1980s pop-top caravan with the beds that pull out the end. I know and- the one. Yeah. Yep. Oh, I don't like them at all. Well, they, I think they've got a lot better. <laughs> like, oh, yeah, I wouldn't go back to one. But uh, no, no, <laughs> I think no. because of that, yeah, too much set up and packed down. But, yeah, look, I think all of that in the end, it just builds resilience. It builds independence. Um, what do you do? Like the school didn't have those subjects. So I can, you know, you get faced with different things. Just get on and do it. I think yeah, that's yeah. That probably served me well given some of the other adversity we've had you know, throughout life. Yeah, I agree. And 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 you all, I, I only went to um up through the middle of Australia in one of those for about four weeks and that was enough for me. There's no way I'd be doing a year. But um I, I suppose you just had to change your attitude or oh, they might have left you on the side of the road. But yeah, it was a bit like, come on, like, you know, it was I can't remember it. It was probably no doubt. Um We've helped you get to Belgium. You need to come back and play your part in the film. I can't remember it all, but it was probably something along those lines. So my two brothers and I, so there was me in year 12, my youngest brother, younger, was in year 11 and year 7. Oh, God, all in one of those little jammed up. Mm. All right, that's not thrilling me too much. But anyway, but but it's still, it's the adventure and it's being on the road. And, And I think that that, that kind of learning is way better than school, the school environment, I, I do, and it builds so much resilience, but it also builds a, a kind of a, a compassion, you know, an understanding yeah. of the people you meet and all that sort of stuff. And, and I believe you did some 
uh, went to Cambodia and Thailand as well in yes. the, somewhere. I don't yes, know. actually, yeah. So I got back from Belgium in the like mid-year. So I was back in school for six months. And then mum and dad before, like this is an incredible thing to do as parents. And now my husband and I would love to do the same thing as this. Before we were making career decisions, they wanted us to get a developing world experience mm. to like in to like fuel some of that decision making and go, hey, there's a world out here like this. What careers do you want to have? And that doesn't mean you have to do something in that, but gives you some perspective, I think. Mm. So, yeah, mum and dad took us over um, in that summer holidays to Cambodia for four weeks, to central Cambodia, worked, um, volunteered in a um, a home for orphaned, a whole centre for orphaned and abandoned kids. And there was development projects in a school and all sorts of things there. And then three weeks in Thailand with the same organisation, but in in Thailand. And like that, honestly, that's been a life changer. So like there's kind of these points in time after that point, I couldn't get that out of my mind. So I ended up studying international studies and then went on and did a master's of international development and worked in that space since then. And my parents went back. So me- <laughs> They didn't complete the lab around Australia. They actually went over to Cambodia because there was a need for um, on-site managers. So they moved over there with my two brothers who continued their online learning. Well, online sounds, there was hardly internet back then. (laughs) Distance education. (laughs) Um, They did years, oh, my brother did year 12 and then year eight over there and I completed my VCE exams with another family who I stayed with um, in Gippsland and, yeah, that was incredible though. And I went back and forwards over there for a few a few times over that year and ended up working with that organisation myself as well. So wow. like landed in Sri Lanka after the tsunamis that happened. Wow. Um, you would remember those. Yeah, so yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, as part of being with that organisation, I was in Sri Lanka four weeks after that tsunami had hit and the Andaman Islands in India and visiting people still living in tents, um, like as refugees, people that had... Like I'll never forget this one guy who had been clinging on to his little brother around a tree when the waves were all coming in and and he had he couldn't keep holding him. Oh, so he's God. Oh like sitting there, oh. seeing that when you're in your young twenties, and then thinking, like, what is life about? Like, what is life about? What is my life about? What do I want it to be about? You know, like they're they're those things that you can't plan to be in those situations. But you can land in things just by all these different turns of events that can happen in your life. And I think they're so impactful in what we do and the decisions we make. Oh, wow. And that really makes you think, what can I, what can I offer this world? Do you know, and, and, yep. and I think when you see stuff like that, it, it gives you more drive to do it. You know, you're oh, kind of like, oh, I don't care what my skills are. I must have something in here, do you know, you know that yep. I can give. So what, and I think everyone does. Everyone has something. Like for me, that's business. Um, and I found that along the way. But, you know, for everyone has something that, that they have to offer the world that's unique just to them and so special just to them. I agree. Sometimes, and I agree with you that sometimes we can't find it. Sometimes we don't know what it is until we're in a situation, you know, that, mm. that gives us the opportunity to unlock it. And, and half the time we unlock it without knowing we are. We're just yeah. because we're just there and we're just doing, you know. So how, how did all that lead you to, like you said, you worked with international aid sort of, you know, that sort yeah, of. Yeah, aid and development, yeah. How did you, how did that turn into grants like a passion for grants I know I know some people land like choose grants and land in business I kind of probably chose business and landed in grants or at that point chose international development and landed in grants so when you work in that context you would know this from one fund classrooms you have to apply for grant funding it's part 
it's part of it. You have to find funding one way. So for me, it was this eye-opener of going, there's people with money here who either want or have to give the money away, and there's people over here who need it. So grants is one way that those two things are brought together. Um, I can write so, and I can do maths, so you kind of end up being the person who does a bit of the grant writing. Um, so I landed in it that way and did that in an international setting for a little bit before moving across to local government um, in Melbourne, so the city of Casey, and that was a great job there that I landed in. So it was this shift across to the Australian grants context, yeah. um, applying for state and federal government grant programs, the really big ones, like multi-million dollar ones for Ooh. youth programs or swimming pools or whatever it is. Um, this was major learning on the job, like full credit to the person who hired me and put faith that I could learn stuff quickly because I hadn't done that before. But he was like, you can learn this. Um, <laughs> like it's... There's these people that stand out through your life that really make a huge difference. And, you know, that was a big game changer, that one. Um, the other part of that job was training the community in how to find and apply for grants. So local, that local government, City of Casey, it's huge. And there are more community groups in need of money than what their community grants program can fund. So they wanted this capacity building role. Um, to train community groups up and that's where I saw the need for the grants hub so I've kind of landed in grants in different ways and um, I just thought there has to be an easier way to find grant funding than trawling through hundreds of pages of a pdf or there needs to be something a bit fresher than just lines on screens like we could make visual elements we could make it more interactive you know back then there was nothing else around like that so again saw the need we were living in regional victoria there wasn't jobs for international development so created a solution for myself i love that absolutely love that but what what did you what what was it that made you, i know i understand it you're going there's people here there's this you know people people got it people need it there's not a good system but, but what what was it that in i know i know you've saying you know you and this is probably all your background in traveling and you know creating solutions and that kind of stuff what what did you, what made you just go i'm going to build it myself because when you're working in a in a government you know particularly in LGA, yeah. that sort of stuff it's kind of like big big bickies big big buckets do you know, mm. you know what I mean and, and and it's sort of a little bit intimidating for for you to be an individual and go oh I'm going to do better than that you know I'm going to do bigger than that so what was there a particular incident incident or anything like that when you said ah oh, this sucks I'm just going to go build this thing <laughs> I bet. Look, I love creating. So I know for a lot of people, starting something is the hardest part. That's like a really easy part for me. So I like in a like I've had to learn to manage that. Like, don't start too many things. <laughs> me too. <laughs> yeah. So you know, everyone has different sticking points where they get with the business journey. For me, coming up with ideas like all day, every day, I come up with ideas, solutions for problems. Like I just, you know, <laughs> maybe we need to collaborate. <laughs> I've always thought it would be cool. This is another idea. Maybe we can join on this. Like some ideas hub, like people could actually just pay for the idea. Like I can't do all the ideas I have. I thought of that. I know. <laughs> Maybe we need to do it together. <laughs> I said, I need to run a business. It's called the ideas business and just start selling all my ideas. Maybe Let's we do, do it, Karen. <laughs> Sounds like we've got a plan. It's like, man. But, yeah, so the ideas just flow. But, look, I did have to resign from that position. It's not like they paid me to do it. It takes a step of faith to get out there and do it. 
Um, but I was running this grants list. So to help these community groups find grants, I'm like the most efficient use of my time is if I can compile the grants that are relevant and send them out an email list. So I would just run it in Word. Like I would just find all the grants, make this Word document, email it out, start a list. And I'm like, there needs to be a better solution than this. Um, and then I was on maternity leave, I think, with my daughter when I started the build of the Grants Hub and then, yeah, resigned and did that. So I can't build, I'm not a coder, um, but my brother is web designer back then and he knew someone who was a developer. So it was just that three of us combination that, that launched it. And yeah, it. and you make it sound like easy. Oh, and then we just launched it and it's kind of like people are probably imagining, you know, oh, yeah, and she's saved 50 grand from a lovely little, um, you know, uh, shy council job. Oh, yeah, yeah, but just the, sold like a lot of snakes to find out. Yeah, but, no, but the, the truth is you actually had to sell your house to build mm. To build the website I mean that that's 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 a huge amount of faith a huge amount we were th- yeah and we were thinking about selling it and moving um so I was in Warrigal then so moving I don't know where all your listeners are based but kind of in regional Victoria and then moving into the south de- southeastern suburbs of Melbourne just for a bit of a change yeah um so we were thinking about selling the house and then I had this idea and it's like hey let's just sell the house let's just sell the house and use that money it was only tw- it was less than twenty thousand dollars that we had, um, so we just put that into the build and took a risk. Like what, we were still young enough that if it didn't work, we would, you know, we were willing to do that. It wasn't like we were later in life and didn't have spare cash. You know, like we we were in the oh, how old was I? Twenty eight, I think. Um, mm. So had time to play. Time was on our side, I guess. <laughs> um, but yeah, and I think you just have. You just have to go with your gut. Like, I think it was a gut thing. There's a need. I know there's thousands of community groups that need this. I know grants. I know that space. I've done workshops. I know people need this product. Let's put it out there. And I surveyed people and you do all as much of that as you can to a point. You don't want to get, I don't over-research because I think you can get really stuck in that. Um, But just put out an MVP, like a minimum viable product and see what happens with it. Yeah. So everyone's listening, and all my my listeners are from all around the world too, by the way. But they will still understand we're talking about Australia here, south of Australia, southeast coast. Yeah, of yeah. <clears throat> yeah. But it's um, you're still making it sound easy, and you know, ah, oh, we'll just sell the house, and oh, we're twenty grand, we'll just blow it, and you know what, take a risk, and everything else. Now it gets a bit deeper here because you did actually launch it, and then yeah, and this, I think you're a bit. I think you you probably should check into a anyway anyway I think you're mad actually because <laughs> you money thirty nine yeah. weeks pregnant yes and, and with True story with the tiniest little gap window to go and you launch yep. you you yep. launch a business that you're just throwing all your risk at like with three weeks to go before a kid's on here as well and you yeah that's mad so like firstly this was the first proper business I'd run so I didn't have the experience to realize how much work this business was going to be <laughs> uh, had I known that I wouldn't have happened uh but you know my daughter so I had my daughter she was 23 months she was nearly two um 
no dig to web developers here, but they have a really good reputation for running late for a reason. Like they run late on development. They would be the first people to say that. But so the developer that I was working with, um, he worked a full-time job and was doing this on top, yeah. but it was just delay, delay, delay. You know, that that's how it goes. That's how project management goes. That is very normal in online tech-based businesses. We plan for delays. When I had a time frame in terms of having a baby, like a second baby, that's not a movable time. That's not a movable <laughs> deadline. So I, like I said, I'm like, if this isn't like it just got later and later, and it wasn't meant to be launched when I was 39 weeks pregnant. Um, my daughter was overdue by two weeks, and I was still induced, so I was banking on another one or two weeks. Uh, and yeah, look, it was 39. I was 39 weeks pregnant when their grandson ended up going live. Um, you just, I, Jeff, yeah, I'm like, it's now, I, I need to do it now because it'll be much more difficult later. And that's without knowing what was to come next um, with our son. Speaking of what does come next, like it's it's already sort of, so you've kind of already made your own decision. You you know, you, you're in a little bit of control, apart from the web developer being late, but you're sort of saying, well, this is my decision, you know, and I'm still going to run with it and everything else. However, sometimes life uh, throws you curveballs and, 11 days after your son was born, um, so the Grand Hub's brand new. Brand new. <laughs> only so was like, so the Grand Hub's only one week older than my son. <laughs> so if the Grand Hub's nine, which we just turned nine, my son just turned nine. Like they're right, they're one week apart pretty much. So, so not only are you stressing because I'm going to have this baby, uh, I've just launched a brand new baby business and so now I'm have have my baby and then uh, not even two weeks after he's born, he's... Uh, yeah open heart surgery wow yeah so diagnosed yeah so diagnosed with open heart uh, diagnosed with congenital heart disease um when he was 10 days old so he got sick with bronchiolitis and rsv we had no idea obviously i'm not crazy i'm crazy to launch a business (laughs) then but not crazy enough to do it if i'd known he had a heart condition that would be sheer madness like don't do it no (laughs) don't don't do do it anybody don't don't even launch your business at 39 weeks, but definitely don't do it if, you know, there's a chance your child has a serious medical condition. Um, yeah, so he got diagnosed with this really serious heart condition. Like, I'm happy, if anyone wants to ask me more details about that, happy to share. It won't mean much to most people, but it was, um, it's like you operate. So the surgeon said to us in the end, you know, here's your waiver form. We operate or the baby dies, like literally those words. So, you know, it wasn't this like, oh, maybe we could wait a little bit. Um, Yeah, so he got diagnosed. We spent a couple of weeks in hospital and like I'm trying to run the grants hub. Like I've got a 23-month-old daughter. I've got a brand new business. I'm pretty new to this sort of business and I'm literally there with this baby who's plugged into everything um, you know, and I listened to Jason from Super Tees. He's amazing. Yeah. I've met him in person. I listened to the episode that you did with him and yeah. the tubes and the lines and, like, there's such a huge need for his product just to put a little plug in here for him. But, yeah, you know, we were in that situation. So you're thrown into this medical world that you don't know anything about. You're just passing. Yeah, I was learning the medical world full stop. We had no medical background in terms of that. So I'm learning the grants. I'm learning how to process payments and and deal with online credit card collections and all of this at the same time as literally my baby is in this crib waiting for his open heart surgery. So he ended up with emergency open heart surgery. So they call it, if it's like planned on a certain date, they call that elective. We know it's not optional. doesn't mean it's optional, but he ended up crashing really quickly. 
um, you can't really get any closer to the line than what he got. Um, so the, the scenes you see in the movies of a child getting rushed down the corridor, that was us with him in the end. Oh, um, yeah. and, the, and the surgeons and the cardiology team gave us, they said very clearly, we don't know if he will survive this. So getting anaesthetised is really risky, particularly with this mm. level, like at the point where his heart was at. So, look, he it's a miracle that he is alive, like for so many reasons. Like mm. it's a miracle that he got bronchiolitis and RSV and that we found the heart murmur. It's, it's a miracle that they did this last-minute echocardiogram, like an ultrasound of the heart the night that they did it because that wouldn't have normally happened. Um, and that alerted them that this was, this was like now or nothing um so yeah so he survived that that was a very very long day um and then like it was wow yeah there's a few moments that are really like what we would count as trauma like they are they're traumas so there's like certain days um there's probably about three certain points that were very traumatic like it's all hard but you get the trauma moments and they really cause a lot of damage longer term you run on adrenaline at the time and so it's okay because you have to do it it's later that the trauma kicks in well that was our experience at least but um yeah, so then just running the grants hub from the ICU ward while he was recovering, he's still intubated, like tubes were still in, like it was mad, it was madness. Um, Didn't you? Think yeah, but we had paying customers, like I already had paying customers. Oh. So, in you know, now I would, now with more experience, and I think post-COVID people are a lot more forgiving and understanding of mm. life situations, but back then I just felt this obligation to keep it going. Like I was too worried about what people would, I mean, this is crazy now that I look back on it, but I was too worried back then to let people know this is what's going on. Can I like extend your payment plan or whatever? Everyone would have said yes. Like, of course they wouldn't have minded, but on the flip side, it gave me a focus. And I think it stopped me falling into this complete like world of struggling and not coping. So yeah, work can probably, be Probably was situation. good to keep that focus, but yeah, it, it's um because most people would have just given up. Like most people said, well, well you know, I, I just can't do it. But so there's another credit to your resilience, you know, like it's amazing. But you talked in there about um the longer term effects, and you know, you had fibromyalgia and PTSD, yeah. and and your son's got some ongoing anxiety uh, and other yeah, yep, that's ongoing. And so that that's. I think we we overlook the fact that that kind of stuff that makes us sick. Do you know? You know, like um, mm. like I think we we've got to. I think some of us say, well, it's just stressful for a while. Do you know? And and yes, we can handle you know sp like shots of stress. Do you know? But when it's at that degree yeah. for so long, it 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 really does make us sick and we're not very good at self-care do you, you know like not that there's oh. not that there's much opportunity for you to be sitting in a corner doing yoga you know like when <laughs> but when all that was happening but it's um you know can really take us down how did you get yeah, over yeah. That? how did you get over that or how do you manage it if you still have some of it that was stuff? um so I was actually fine for two years so the first two years of his life um were really awful <laughs> Like it was, so he had his first open heart at four weeks of age. Um, and they said to us, he'll go downhill. Like they, the cardiologist at the outset said, your first five years of life will be crap. She used other words. I don't know what the rating is on your podcast. No. Uh, she, 
She was like, your first five years will be shit. And if you can get through those, you'll be okay. Um, so we knew. We knew we were in for a longer haul here. So for us, it was the first two years. So after his surgery, he would just decline. And um, he needed his second open heart surgery when he was seven months old. So this oh. is this like, it's this awful, it's not just the surgeries that are hard. Like it's this decline. So for him, it's people ask what it's like. Well, they're going into heart failure. So you're actually watching your child go into heart failure. So as a tiny baby, that means you're waiting for them to get sweaty when they're breastfeeding. You're waiting for them to start getting a bit limp. You're waiting for them to lose colour. You're watching their work of breathing, which is like how hard are they breathing. You're thinking every time they sleep this tiny bit longer than they normally wake up, I would literally go in there expecting to do CPR. Like it's it's like, has he died? I, we don't know. It's a possibility. Like it's it's living with that oh. all the time. So after that second surgery, it's nearly a relief to get the surgery. Like it's it's a hard period, but the decline is awful. Um, so then he's been more stable since then. He kind of hit stable at about the age of two. Uh, so that's when all of my stuff kicked in. So I was fine before that. Like, honestly, running the grandson was okay. Kept the family going, um, you know, with my husband as well. I've got a great partner, um, you know, the, the older daughter as well. It was a lot, but it wasn't the impacts of PTSD that had kicked in by that point. It was when our son had his first appointment where he hadn't gone downhill, but at about two, that's when, that's when it kicked in. So it was like my body went. Yeah, oh. that's yeah, that's what they say. Do you know we can we can hold it together? You know when yep. when there's something, and then but when we let go, you know it it let it lets go. Really. Yeah, like the one that like when you go on holidays, they say don't just crash the first day because you'll get mm. sick. You you really yeah, so sick. true. Yeah, yep. And I'm not like this is. I've had to work on accepting this a lot because mm. it's not. Like I'm so much like that resilience is great, that quality that I've got, but it can be the other side where I don't look after myself. I brush things off and it's like, I'm fine. This is ridiculous. This isn't PTSD. Like that's not a panic attack. That's not anxiety. It's like, actually it was <laughs> like, you know, when you have a health psychologist tell you that's called PTSD. Um, yeah. It's nearly easier to just name it, I think, because it is what it is. And, and that's been a huge learning for us and that, they're the things that I would never change about going through these circumstances is it gives you so much more probably self-compassion and compassion for other people going through this. It's not just the person who may be sick. It might be the people connected to them or it's what does PTSD look like? What does it mean to have a panic attack? Like that stuff, when you experience it, it's awful. No one would want to do it, but yeah, it's, it's been good to learn more about that side of life mm. if you want to put a positive spin on it. But, yeah, oh, but it does yeah. sit there. Fibromyalgia, you know, things like that, they sit there. You have to learn to <clears throat> you have to learn to manage that longer term. I think that's, um, yeah, it's, it's all very well to say, well, they sit there and that's what it is. But And, and you know, I don't, uh, self-care is a bit hard and that. Now, you're a bit younger than me. Um, my age, we're worse. It, it's it's weak to admit that you there's something wrong. It's it's weak to admit that you're not you know you're not tough and you know it's taken me to my late fifties to actually say oh shit something's wrong. Do you, you know like and so you're a little bit better at it. But but we don't do self care well enough. Like none of us do self care well enough. And and I love that you're talking about all this because 
you know, people might see the Grants Hub and, and see Jessie and smiling and it's kind of like, oh, she's got her shit together. But it's so good to see what, well, it's not, I, I wish you had a different story. No, no, I know you mean that. No. But it's so good to see that um, what, what sits behind these mm. successful businesses, it's not, it's not perfect, you, you know, and, and, and I think that we, we, we have this, anyone who wants to start a business has this fear that, oh, I just need to get it right. I need to do it right and I need to look. Well, all these other people don't have problems, but all these other people do have problems and you, you, you just got to get moving on it, you know, because life goes. Life, it does. Life disappears whether you want it to or not. So might as well do something. Now, you've grown this to over 2,000 members and I think mm. it was 28,000-plus network uh, yes you know, i checked that recently yeah before i gave you those numbers and that was a couple of weeks yeah a week or two ago yeah that's and that's not me you know oh, there's a team behind this so i i founded it we've got a team i'm not taking full credit to those numbers but yes the original yeah that's where it's at now it's good well, you should. I, I get. I get that you've got a team. But you should take full credit because you actually. If it wasn't for you, it wasn't for you getting off the bench and you know, like backing yourself. You know, but that's a lot of people. Like it's it's clearly saying that you know when you said before that um, there's a need. You know that this this minimal minimal viable product and there's people out there who need it. That's evidence. You know, if you got two thousand members, that's. 2,000 plus the 28,000 that are kicking about going, you know, I, I yeah. need this, I need this, I need this. So it's, it's you know, sometimes we go, sometimes we stop ourselves because it's fear of failure or self-doubt or you know, who's going to want to buy from me? Who's, you know, like what if I fail and what if there's no one out there? But I reckon we've got to take a chance because I think if you've got an idea, there's always going to be someone out there and whether there's enough people, I don't know, but did give it a crack, like get, yeah, like if you see a need for it, that means someone else is going to have a need for it. Exactly. You know, like if you can see that that could be improved in that way, then it probably can be and maybe you're the person to do it. Like yeah. just get out there and do it. There's so many things that can be solved still and I think there's still so many ways to improve products or experiences or relationships or connections. There's so many things that can be done. And, agree. and if you love starting things or doing things, just go and do it because you you know, like life does get away. And I was going to say, you don't know what's around the corner and what's next. If I'd known, I wouldn't, the irony is I wouldn't have done it, but I'm glad I did. Um, yeah, if I hadn't launched it, then I really don't think it would have existed today still, the Grants Hub, but because um, it would have just, Fizzled. I don't know when I would have done it then. Like that would be crazy. I think I'd be the true definition of crazy if I'd launched it <laughs> after that, knowing everything that was sitting there. I don't know. I really don't know what I would have done. That didn't happen, but you know, for people that sit there and wonder, should I, shouldn't I? It's like, just do it. Like if you've got the resources or the time or the situation, make the time or make the resources if you can and just do it. Yeah. And you don't always have to start big. That's the other thing. No. But I don't have 20,000. I don't have 100,000. No, but if you've got, if you got 500 bucks that you can yeah. kick, kick the bloody thing off with, do it. Start yeah. somewhere, start somewhere. Um, <clears throat> now, if you... Let, let, what about a few myths about funding? Because I, I know a few, um, but I'm a I'm not a not for profit. I'm a business, and and nobody's going to give business uh, money. Like, can you give a few of these myths a little bit of a boot in the bum? Sure. Do you want to fire away questions, Karen, or you want me just to bust some? 
We'll bust that one first because I, oh, I hear okay. I hear that one often. Now you just bust three or four for us, just just okay. because I want people to like um I want people to embrace grants, do you know, rather than be fearful of them. So yeah, so the business versus not for profit. Okay, let's start with that one. There are grants for both, but they're very different pools of money, nearly always. Yeah. So most not-for-profit money will come from people that either need or want to do good, want to need need to give their money away for, let's not sugarcoat it, tax purposes or to meet their ESGs, whatever it is. Um, Or they want to do it because they're philanthropic by nature. They may have made a lot or a little bit of money. We see people doing both Um, and and they want to do it. So they've got, regardless of why, they've got the money. Um, So if you're a not-for-profit, generally they'll choose to give the money to you. Sometimes social enterprises is this new kind of kid on the block particularly in Australia. So we see them getting funded by both sides of the coin at the moment. Um, But, yeah, if you've got tax deductibility status or in America, yours is slightly different, whoever, whichever listeners are, you know, from there, but um, they know who they are. So either way, the systems across countries are nearly always the same. Um, If you've got the tax deductibility status for your equivalent country, then you'll be eligible to get quite a lot of grants. Um, if you don't have it, there are still grants. There's just a few less for you. Yeah. Um, for business, your funding primarily would come from governments who want to support business because that bigger picture, that's good for the economy. Yeah. So thriving business is good for countries in general. So that's why business uh, government will fund business. But we do see some corporates funding businesses, um, particularly entrepreneurs, social entrepreneurs, anything along those lines, sustainability projects. Yeah. Yep. Um, the second one probably is, this is like nearly a reverse myth, but people will say there is money, there's grants for everything. Like just go get a grant for that. That's not always true. Yep. So try and like try and do things like your electricity bills, your wages. They're really difficult to get grants for. So if you do fundraising or you get donations from wills and bequests, whatever it might be, put any money you can that is not tagged, put that to your operational costs and try and get grants for your other stuff. Yeah. Um, they're probably two of the really big ones and I think maybe the third one is often people think that their application won't be good enough or they have to be a professional grant writer or they won't put themselves out there but if you really read the criteria and if you're eligible and if you answer the questions and you meet all the requirements you've got just as much chance as the next person so don't forget that just yeah put yourselves out there and do it i think that is one of the biggest ones is that people think i don't know how to write grants do you, you know and and yep. i'm just a i'm just a me do you, you know and all these people who write grants are, they're professional at it you know they do that but you know i think there's no like if you're if you're reading it you're going to say well that that tells me what I need to know or it doesn't tell me what I need to know, regardless of where yeah. it came from. So, Yeah, and I think if you're matching yourself to the funder, so I'm about to run a webinar for people. We ran a grant recently through the Grants Hub yeah. um, and gave away $1,000 grants. We had 644 people apply, so they put themselves out there and did it. But it was, like, amazingly strong applications, but also the reminder that some basics, if people get right, that's going to give your application a greater chance of success. So, like, firstly, know the funder. Like, do your research and match your application to the funder's tone of voice or what are they interested in or, like, don't go something left field that you've never heard them fund before or that doesn't line up. Mm. Um, Two, know who you are and make sure you've got all your ducks in a row. Like, make sure your website's working if you put your URL in 
add some social media pages if you've got them like any click-throughs or youtube videos whatever it is make it easy for a funder yeah. to learn about you um and then i would say the pitch and the ask so the pitch is like your elevator pitch so for anyone in business or a not-for-profit your 30 seconds that you've got in an elevator or 20 seconds whatever it is get that down as short as you can make it 10 second pitch mm. and put that as the first thing that you put in your grant application yeah because the application is just trying to get the funder more interested in you and wanting to learn more about you and ask you more questions it's like the introduction like hey these people are interesting they're doing cool stuff like nail that pitch don't start with in 1989 i saw a horse like don't you know like yeah. whatever it is make your pitch really good and then the ask um be really strong and clear about what you want the money for and how the funder will make a difference to that and without them this won't happen mm. you know you might put in numbers you might say um 643 families will be directly impacted by this by receiving a food voucher yeah you know whatever it is make it specific and put a really strong clear ask in there yeah and i saw that i that's exactly uh, exactly one that did win one of your grants and that was that really warmed my heart you know because and that, that's a perfect example of um, you can really see the outcome. You know, it's kind of not kind of like, oh, all these families will be fed for a while. You know, that doesn't mean yeah. anything. But you say six hundred and forty-two. You're like, wow, because yep. you can start to imagine them. You know, and and yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah. and you know, through that grant, like we had one who applied for the grants up one, and it was. 790, I can still tell you the number. It sticks in my head. I'm a bit of a numbers person probably, but 798 school kids now who wouldn't normally get lunch at school, we can help them get lunch. Yep. Like that's with $1,000. Like that's a really small amount of money. Um, it can go a long way. Mm. Yeah. Wow. And, and you don't have to be um, an academic either to be writing it. You just really no. got to write from your heart, tell the truth and be clear about it and yeah. yeah, and know your why. Like, I think that's critical in business or not-for-profits, whatever it is, whether it's the work that you're doing, the business decisions, the grant applications that you're submitting, like know your why mm. and make that really clear. Like if this is your why, put it front and centre. Yeah. Like this is why we exist. This is why we do what we do. Yeah, I agree 100%. And your why is your motivator anyway. If you don't know why, you should, your buddy, you need to know it yeah. because it, That's it. it's a thing that pushes you over the line. But yep. And and you um you've also got the uh, podcast grants uncovered, so that gives a lot more yes. information. Like that just gives tidbits constantly. And and I, I think you've stopped. Are you about to start a new season or something? I am. Yes. So season two will be kicking off really soon. Yep. So and that will be um, some interviews and then some more grant tips and things like this. You know, what are the things that make your application really successful? So jump on that. It's grants uncovered. Yeah. Um, there's also you know a bunch of free grant resources on the Grants Hub's website. And I'm starting to put some more on my own. So jessieballantine.com, um, just some more resources and like webinars or whatever it might be just to help capacity build really in the grant space. I love it. Uh, well, guys, I hope you've been enjoying this and really now going to start applying for some grants and join the Grants Hub because we are, <laughs> I, I'm part of it. So, and it's bloody fantastic. And there's hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of grants. In fact, probably thousands. And I, I haven't even got the time to look through them. It just, uh, I scroll and I think, shit, there's so many grants. So there is tons and tons of grants out there. Now, um, you're a, a glutton for punishment. You said before, oh, if I hadn't known all this, I probably wouldn't have launched, um, uh, you know, the, the Grants Hub and it's been hard. But you, I don't know if I believe you because you are a sucker for this because during COVID, 
this is a little bit different, but it's still, it's just showing who you are. You launched Hey Good Thing as yes. well. Like It's really new. I yeah. know. So tell us about that as well. Yeah. So Hey Good Thing is four purpose gift boxes. So it exclusively includes social enterprise for purpose or B Corp certified products in gift boxes that get sent out all across Australia. So people can order them. That's heygoodthing.com.au. That's the website for it. But you can jump on there and see it. And it's, um, yeah. So I launched that last year. I Like I like new. So for me, the Grants Hub now is, well, last year I was eight years old. We've just turned nine. But for me, that's a long time to be doing the same thing when I'm at like a fresh ideas An ideas person. person. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. So look, the Grants Hub, um, there's a great team in there running it. So I'm involved still. I still do about a day and a half. I'm Technically, I'm paid a day and a half a week. You know what that means as a business. Yeah. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, look, there's team in there. But, yeah, Hey Good Thing launched last year and that's been fun. I just I wanted to try a physical product business, not just digital. Um, and I think it's probably, to be honest, part of the imposter syndrome. Like, how much do I really know about business? Like, I know the online and I know what's worked at the Grants Hub, but moving that across to a different industry, like, I don't, I didn't have any product-based experience or shipping things out or, you know, that side of business. So that's been another big steep learning curve. Um, but, yeah, it's cool. The stories behind those products are awesome. Mm. Yeah, I just, I really wanted to help these people who have amazing products get them out more so this was just a just one way that could possibly help with that but yeah that's a social enterprise so totally for purpose business love it and, and not they're not just um good people who have got stories they're 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 doing good for the they're doing good for the planet you know good for other people good for good for poverty good for water good for the planet good for oh, the amazing. environment yeah you know, some I think it's fantastic that you're doing that. So, yeah, I'm just like the I'm just like the curator of the products. It's really the people doing it and then what they're doing with them. So there's socks by Up Movement. They're funding prosthetic limbs in developing countries. There's Pargo wow. Carp, so they've water projects overseas. Um, Freckly faces, so that's Richard. People, if you jump onto the Hagel thing Instagram or anything, that's our highest selling product. So Richard's giant freckles. So he's a guy with autism who lost his work during COVID oh. and with his mum's help. So she's running the administration. He just started this business doing giant freckles and it's taken off. Like he's been on TV. He's been so successful with it. He's employed a friend with autism now. Like it's super cool what he's doing. That's um, but there's products like that right across the board that are just amazing products. So to be able to bring them together into um, gift boxes, which was a solution I was looking for for the Grants Hub for our team yeah. gifts. Um, yeah, oh, there you it's go. been a fun thing. And it's, yeah. um, and it's good because, you know, we, we all do want to buy good things. You know, we all do want to, but um, when you're talking about creating, curating it, it's it's so hard, you know. You're trying to think who's who's got what, where's, and you're trying to pull in stuff from everywhere. But if you're already making boxes, didn't you know? You yeah. can. It, it's just so easy to pay you, pack them up, and then and you've got this good box of goodness. No, it's you know because none of a lot of us don't have time to be um you know working out who's got what good things. Do you know? So hey, good thing yeah, you know. <laughs> yeah. So jump on. Yeah, people do it for birthdays or thank yous or um, businesses. Uh, have done it 
gifting in particular or um, team celebrations or team milestones. Yeah. Uh, so it's been good. Yeah, there's all different customer types. I think it's fantastic. And it's a bloody nice website too and, you, and the products are great. So go and have a look. Now, before we um, finish up, uh, you've st- this is, I love, um, you kind of answered it before, but I'm just going to do it in one succinct uh, question and I like my get off the bench question. So you've started things with the odds stacked against you and made it happen. So there's going to be a lot of people out there with an idea going, eh, I just wait for the perfect moment. What's the big bang you want to tell them? It's no perfect moment. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not. It just isn't. There is no perfect moment to launch or to do it. So, yeah, I think you need to know your why. Like, and this is part of what I was saying before, you need to know your why and you need to know why you're doing it. Um, for me in business, that goes front and centre all the time, whether that's in hiring decisions, business decisions, product improvements, giving, whatever it is. It's like the way we do work, you know, there's so much of it. We keep our why there. And for the grants hub, that's been the easiest way to find grants. But hey, good thing, it's about getting for-purpose gift boxes out there yeah. um, and making a difference that way. But regardless of what it is, if you know your why, you'll work out how to make it work. And if you're passionate about doing it, just do it. Just do it because that year will pass whether you do it or not. And you yeah. will, I always say um, in one year, will you be glad you did or wish you did? And I reckon you'll yeah. be glad I did. And That's yeah. it. You won't know. You don't know it all now, but you learn. You just keep on learning. And once you put it out there, sometimes it's easier to learn once it's launched because you know what the problems are. Yeah. Like you know the sticking points where you go, hey, that, that's not working in that part. Let's fix it. And you get the feedback and then you, you keep just keep learning and keep improving it. Yeah. And I know a lot of people who have launched business, and I mean a lot of people who have launched business, and every single one, says the same thing I didn't know and I I, Mm -hmm. what I know now I definitely didn't know when I started so it's you know everyone starts fresh now by the way Jess just talked about um you know knowing your why and I want to point out there is a fantastic blog that I'm going to put a link in that Jesse has written and it's the 10 I'll just the 10 things I've learned from my world whirlwind of a business right it certainly is a money whirlwind um, and one of them is know your why and keep it front and center and there's a whole lot of other things like take the leap respond to issues quickly uh you know give be real resistance is a key all that kind of stuff so there's 10 really great um learnings that jesse's put in that blog so um Go and have a look at that because it's. I just had a quick read before we got on it. It's bloody fantastic. It really opens up a few things and might just inspire you enough to kickstart your ideas. So, Jesse, I've absolutely loved this conversation. It's been great. Yeah, thank you for having me. That's my pleasure. It's to make it happen. Now, where can people find you? Because they're going to want to, I'm sure. Oh, I don't know where to start though because now you just added now you just added jessieballantine.com and I didn't Sorry. have that in my list so yep. I was uh, updating the website last week as I do but yeah that was offline for a little bit but jessieballantine.com is where you would find me um, and then there's Instagram LinkedIn and Facebook connected to that um, so you can search me that way as well um, on LinkedIn you'd find me that by that way it's probably the easiest um, any of the businesses. So the Grants Hub is thegrantshub.com.au and all the socials are just at the Grants Hub. Hey, good thing is heygoodthing.com.au. And again, all the handles for socials are just at heygoodthing. Straightforward. Pretty, pretty easy. And I'm going to put it, I'll put them all the links in, all the 300 yeah. links in the show notes <laughs> so anyone can find you. But, you know, like do do connect with Jessie because she's just a beautiful, beautiful human and you're doing the most amazing stuff, Jess. I really 
Uh, like I said at the very start, I've got great admiration for you. You know, you just, um, well, I've got great admiration for what you're doing anyway, but then when you put that backstory in it, you know, with it, with it's just, man, you're, you're one hell of a human. You really are. It's just. What do you do? You know, life gives you lemons. Like you just, everyone has them. Yeah. Everyone has lemons. And I'm probably known best for this lemon that I've been given. There's a lot of other ones too, but uh, <laughs> you know, not as big as this, but they happen and everyone has them and, you know, and they're different and hard for so many different reasons. This one is a lifelong one. This is not going away for us. This is a lifetime condition of repeated open heart surgeries. Um, oh, so I think, really? you know, learning to, yeah. Oh. Yeah. So for me, it's like, this just keeps on going. We keep living with declines and we're at that again now. Um, you know, so it's cardiology and it's ongoing, but if we can't let life stop because those things happen, because they happen, they happen to everybody. So I think keep it, keep it going, like just do it regardless of what other stuff is there. Cause it might be the thing that actually helps you to get through it too and not fall in that slump, but like reach out to me too. Like I'd love to hear from people or stories or if there's any ways that, um, you know, maybe we connect or they've been through hard stuff too. Like everyone has, but I think if we share our stories and maybe can help each other a bit, that's a good thing. I, I agree. And I think because we often feel isolated or alone and we're the only one going through it, but we're not. So um, no, I think that's absolutely beautiful. And I also like you saying, uh, you know, have when you're going through that, you need something else to focus on. You really do need something yeah. else to focus on. Yeah, so, you do. Yeah. So if your life's upside down, and um, I'm not going to say if your life's full of open heart surgeries because that doesn't sound too <laughs> bloody pleasant to me. But if you know if you've got a lot of this stuff going on that you feel like, oh, you know, my whole life this is always happening. Well, maybe you do need. Maybe you do need to, even if it's just a, a candle making. But please use good environmentally. You know. Uh, friendly candles but um you know even if it's just something please do it please do it but jesse i've loved this thank you so very much for joining us and thank you i've just absolutely loved it so when one day i'm going to catch up with you in gippsland (laughs) that would be great yeah we can swap business ideas yeah yeah we have to get our ideas ideas business (laughs) off the ground (laughs) anyway it's been fantastic thanks karen Thanks, Eves, Jess. See ya. All right, see you later. Bye. Oh, guys, that was fantastic. I hope you are so inspired to uh, start, to, well, to join the Grants Hub. That's a good place to start. Check out all the thousands of grants that are available and don't be shy to actually apply for a grant. I think that... Um, you know, grants is one of those things that kind of scares people off. And like we were talking about, you know, the myths and it's, you know, you've got to be an academic to write it and you've got to know how to do it and you've got to be, have years of experience. Well, you really don't. And as Jesse said, you know, you've just got to sell and, and really know what your why is and really, really talk about that and how much it means and what difference it can make. So I really hope you got a lot out of that and I hope that you're, you know, inspired to try. And go check out Hey Good Thing, the um, gift boxes. That's a... You know, if you want to give a, a thank you gift to somebody and you want it to be all good stuff, you know, that's good for the environment and everything else, go check that out at heygoodthing.com.au. So I'm going to put all of these in the show notes, jessieballantyne.com, the Grants Hub and Hey Good Thing. And I really hope you go and follow them all and hope this has been really beneficial to you. And uh, that's it. So thank you very much for joining me as you do every week. I really, really appreciate it. And I will see you next week.
See ya. Thanks for joining me. As always, I hope this episode inspired you. If you know somebody who's taken courageous action to create something that's making a difference for other people, let me know about it. Go to my website, karenvaughan.com. Tinker around there, have a bit of a look and send me a message. I can't wait to hear from you. And remember, you're worth it. Your unique talents and gifts need to be out in this world. And I'm so passionate about inspiring you to achieve that. So you've listened to this episode. Just say yes, make the decision and put one foot in front of the other. See you next week.